Amen. Amen. Jesus Christ, our living hope. It's um, been really good to worship the Lord together here in, in Chadwell. Um, I was worshipping uh, away. I didn't even realise we'd sung two songs. I wasn't paying attention. And, uh, and it's my turn to come on and share. Um, but it's great. And, and, and so the communion uh, link over wasn't that great. But that's not a problem. We're here to worship God. And uh, I, I hope that this morning in your homes you are you're focusing on God. Don't worry about uh, what time it is, what's happening around us. Uh, we, we come to worship him. I just feel that before I preach, I want to pray for us again. Um, I, the, the expectation of where uh, this, this crisis is going, uh, if you saw uh, the press conference yesterday, um, the graphs that they had, uh, the expectation is going to be worse than the first. Uh, but God, uh, I, I'm talking about community church here. Uh, I know other churches have suffered loss. Um, but we as community church have not suffered loss in that first pandemic. And I want to pray that God will keep us through this second wave, that again, that God will watch over his church and that we will not suffer loss, that we will be able to say when we come through this that God has protected his people. I want to pray that actually this second wave won't be as bad as the first one. That the, the, the deaths won't exceed that which we saw at the peak of the last one. We, we pray for, for, for God to intervene. And I want to pray that the church is not a fearful church. You know, we have to be cautious and we have to be careful and we should be obeying the, the, what the government says. But we should not be anxious. We should not be fearful about this. Because God is our rock. God is whom we've got our trust in. So can I just pray, before I open the word this morning, let's just pray. Lord, I pray for your church. Lord, I pray that as we go into this uh, second uh, phase, this second spike uh, of the virus, that you will watch over your church, that you will protect your church, you will keep us from harm. And Lord, as we, uh, a community church, we went through the first phase without any loss, I pray, Lord, that we'll go through this second phase without any loss, Lord. That everyone will be kept by your hand, Lord. Lord, we pray, uh, Lord, that the church won't be anxious or fearful, but our trust will be in you. Lord, I pray that, Lord, we will just rejoice in your sovereignty. Lord, give us a vision of all eternity. Give us a vision of what is to come, so that whatever we go through in this life will pale into insignificance compared to all eternity in your courts. Thank you for your church, Lord, and we pray, put your hand upon her, protect her, keep her. And Lord, we pray for our nation and the nations, Lord, indeed, that the, this second spike won't be as big as the first one. Lord, all expectations uh, that they think is going to happen, Lord, won't happen in the name of Jesus. And Lord, that we will be released from this uh, Lord, and, and we will see your hand upon us. And there will be many stories, many testimonies of what you have done during this season. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. We are looking at uh, what it means to be a scattered church. Of course, very, very relevant uh, for us at this time uh, as we can't physically gather together. 
but as we are scattered into all areas of our communities, in all areas of society, uh, we want to see what God is going to do through his church at this time. God is still at work. The church is alive. The church is working. The church is labouring for the kingdom. And we want to just keep re-emphasising that God is with us. And so we love gathering, uh, we love scattering, but we're talking about the scattered church. It comes in our preaching, uh, this is our preaching programme for this year. We're right at the end now, um, here going through to November. We've got a few more uh, weeks in scattered church. Uh, We're using this book um, uh, as our base. We're not preaching chapter by chapter, but we're using it uh, for ideas. I want to recommend it to you, some great miracles, great stories of what God is doing. Uh, Scattered Servants by Alan Scott. I recommend that you get hold of it and read it. We're in uh, session six, uh, and uh, the title that um, I put on this one was uh, Stewarding the Supernatural. Uh, as, as always, when I, I lay out the, the preaching plan, I put some bullet points and give some direction to all the preachers, and we put titles in, uh, so there's a, a sort of direction that we go. But when you come in the weeks beforehand just to, to go over it, and, and you mull it over, you pray about it, you start to search scripture... Uh, things can change and although the title is Stewarding the Supernatural and we're going to touch on that I've I've widened that a little bit this morning into other areas uh, which you will see as we go through now the church is both gathered and scattered we are attractional and mission we've been through this in the beginning of our teaching and we love both we're not either or Uh, we, we, we want both we want to have the joy of meeting together. Do not give up meeting together, Hebrews tells us. And, and I want to encourage us, even this time, commit. Commit to meeting together. It's on Zoom, but make sure you're there. When Mike Betts preached last week, he, he, he said that so we could reach, listen to any preachers in the world at the moment. And some great preachers, some brilliant preachers. And you could go and dip in there and dip in there. But he says, commit to your local church. This hour... Uh, or two hours if you join us on Zoom, on a Sunday morning, put it in your diaries, make sure you're here, be together. Because this is the best we can do to gather. In life groups, make sure you gather. Don't miss out a life group. Make sure you're there. When we gather to pray, be with us, commit to it. We love gathering together. It is a joy. It is wonderful to be with God's people. I know our life group, I love our life group. A real mixture of people, but what a joy. Every week, just to touch base and to see how people are doing, to pray together, to open word together. It's just wonderful. And I want to encourage us to commit to gathering together. You can listen to the other preachers during the week. You have plenty of time to do that. But when it's community church time, be here. Be here. Don't miss it. We love the gathering, but also we know we're scattered. We know that we are scattered into the world, and uh, this is our mission. This is what God has called us to. And, and we've been through this, and we want both. We, we, we don't want one or the other. We want both. And uh, if you go back over previous weeks of preaching, you'll hear the teaching into that. Today, we're going to look at a parable that Jesus taught in Luke 19. Uh, And it's the parable of the ten miners. Now, it's very similar to the parable of the talents, um, but slightly different emphasis that Luke brings out here. And it might be uh, that it was the same teaching that has been brought uh, just in a different way in the Gospel, but more, uh, I think, more it would be that Jesus uses the same principles and teaches things twice. 
you know, uh, you know, we teach things over and over and over again. There's no reason that Jesus wouldn't do that. And so this might be the second occasion where he's teaching similar parable, but a slightly different emphasis that, um, that Luke brings out. So let's listen uh, to this parable, uh, this Bible reading now, and then we'll come back and open the word together. Good morning, church. This reading is from Luke chapter 19, verse 11 to 27. Now as they heard these things, he spoke another parable, because he was near Jerusalem, and because they thought the kingdom of God would appear immediately. Therefore he said, A certain nobleman went into a far country to receive himself a kingdom and to return. So he called ten of his servants, and delivered to them ten minas, and said to them, Do business till I come. But his citizens hated him, and sent a delegation after him, saying, We will not have this man to reign over us. So it was that when he returned, having received the kingdom, he commanded these servants, to whom he had given the money, to be called to him, that he might know how much every man had gained by trading. Then came the first, saying, Master, your mina has gained ten minas. And he said to him, Well done, good servant. Because you were faithful with very little, have authority over ten cities. And the second came, saying, Master, your mina has gained five minas. That likewise he said to him, You also be over five cities. Then another came, saying, Master, here is your mina, which I have kept away in a handkerchief, for I feared you, because you are an austere man. You collect what you did not deposit, and reap what you did not sow. And he said to him, Out of your own mouth I will judge you, you wicked servant. You knew that I was an austere man, collecting what I did not deposit, and reaping what I did not sow. Why then did you not put my money in the bank, that my coming I might have collected it with interest? And he said to those who stood by, Take the mina from him, and give it to him who has ten minas. But they said to him, Master, he has ten minas. For I say to you, that everyone who has will be given, and from him who does not have, even what he has will be taken away from him. But bring here those enemies of mine who did not want me to reign over them, and slay them before me. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, Samuel. That's great. Uh, a wonderful a parable that Jesus spoke about. And um, we see here that the, the, the parable is about a kingdom. Uh, Jesus wanted to talk about this. He says, uh, uh, while they were coming into Jerusalem, the people thought that the kingdom of God was going to appear at once. So, so Jesus wanted to teach into a kingdom principle here. This parable is about a kingdom, uh, about a nobleman uh, that goes and uh, it's a teach uh, the people listening about the kingdom of God. It's actually uh, founded on fact. When Herod the Great uh, died, his son, his son's name was Archelaus, uh, he had to go to Rome uh, to go take uh, his credentials to Rome so that he could be acknowledged in Rome as king before he could come back and establish his kingdom. And actually, even at that time, 
there was a delegation that also went to Rome uh, to try to dispute uh, his uh, credentials and they filed a petition against him. So this, this parable, they would have understood this because it was actually something that happened at the time. And we see here uh, that the king was away long enough. Okay? There was a gap between him going uh, to be made king and coming back to establish his kingdom. There was a period of time that was long enough, number one, for enemies to reveal themselves. So here we see in verse 14, citizens hated him. You know, there's this thing that, that the king was away and they hated him. And, uh, and, and in verse uh, 27, uh, there was those who did not want me to reign over them. There were some that opposed the king. And this time, before he, him going away and coming back again, was an opportunity for those people to reveal themselves. And it didn't end well for those guys. Um, because we read in verse uh, 27, uh, bring them here, that they slaughter them in front of me. Uh, it didn't end well for them. It was not a good position to be in, to oppose the king. But the king was away long enough also, so that uh, his servants could show how they could be trusted. How could they be trusted with what was entrusted to them, that which he had given to them. And he told them, as he went, says, Here's, uh, he says, give them ten miners and said, engage in business until I come. And he, he entrusted with them this, this work, this business. And when he returned, he says, bring them to me that I might know what they have gained by doing business uh, in, in, in what I have given them to do. So there was a time period between the king going and in returning, in which the servants, the, the faithful servants, could then show how they would be entrusted and what they would do with what the king had given them. The expectation of the king was that they would advance his kingdom, that they would grow what, would, what was given to them. And the first came back and says, your miner has made ten miners more, and the second, your miner has made five miners more. And so what they, they've done is, is that they, they extended that which they've given to them. It's the expectation that what they have will grow, that they will be good businessmen, and that, uh, that they will be bringing an advance back to the king. And interestingly enough, those that were thought to have done well, that stewarded well what the king had given to them, they were given more. And so in verse 16 we see, well done good servant, because you have faithful, been faithful in a little, you will have authority over ten cities, and the, the one with five miles over five cities. You see, because they have been faithful with a little, the result of that, that more was given to them. And in fact, the one that did nothing, that uh, hid it and put it into a handkerchief and just returned what he had given to him, that even which he had was taken from him and given to the others. This is the parable that Jesus spoke about. This is what he shared. And we know it's about the kingdom and of course we are talking about the kingdom of God. He was given a parable to explain himself 
and the kingdom of God, what was going to happen? There was an expectation of his followers that, they, that he would bring the kingdom in there and then, uh, a physical kingdom uh, to restore Israel uh, and restore Jerusalem. Uh, that was their expectation. He was telling this parable uh, to try and explain what was going to happen. Of course, Jesus is the king uh, in this parable. He's talking about himself. And uh, we see that there is a, a time period between him going, he's been ascended, uh, we read about in Acts chapter 1, he ascended into heaven and we know that he is coming back again. There's this time period of him going back to the Father, being seated at the right hand of the, uh, the Father, but he will come back to establish his kingdom here on earth. And we are living in that time period. We are in between the, the first appearing of Jesus and the second coming of Jesus. That's where we are. And of course, if that's where we are, then we must be the servants in the story. And so, uh, as, as it always, there will be those who come and, and say, no, I'm not interested, I don't want Jesus to rule over me, I don't want to have that him as my king, and they will show themselves for who they are in this time. But there's also those that would steward what he has given them, the good, faithful servants, entrusted, but to multiply that which God has given them. This is what we are looking at. And of course, faithful stewardship is increase, it's multiplication. And we see that this is rewarded in the next life. That which we do now will have eternal consequences. That which we steward well now will affect our eternity in heaven. There's another passage in 1 Corinthians chapter 3 which says this um, about the day when Jesus returns. It says, If any man builds on this foundation using gold, silver, costly stones of wood or hay or straw, his work will be shown for what it is because the day will bring it to light. It will be revealed with fire and the fire will test the quality of each man's work. If what he builds survives, he will receive his reward. If it is burned up, he will suffer loss. He himself will be saved, but only as one who escapes through the flames. You see, what, what we do now affects our reward in eternity. That which God has entrusted to us now, if we are faithful in that, then he will give us more. And that will last through all eternity. So our faithful stewarded and stewarding and increase is rewarded for all eternity in the next life. So, very, very briefly, what actually has Jesus entrusted to us? So this is where I've, I've really uh, broadened it out from uh, the original intention here. And I won't spend much time on these things. We can look further. Uh, um, well, it's not life groups this week, so it's prayer meeting. But we can look further in, in life groups when we meet again. And first of all, I believe that God has entrusted to us the gospel. This good news that, that Jesus has put into our lives, that which he has given to us, has been entrusted to us. In 1 Thessalonians, uh, Paul says, we have been approved by God, entrusted with the gospel. In, in, in the first chapter of Romans, Paul talks about the gospel, and he says this, he says that he is, he says, I am bound 
both to Greeks and non-Greeks, both to the wise and foolish. That is why I'm eager to preach the gospel. And that word bound uh, means I'm indebted. I'm carrying something which I am supposed to be given away. I'm entrusted with something which is not for me, but it is for the people that I'm ministering to. So first of all, we have the gospel. And and if you look at the parable of the sower um, that Jesus taught, he talked about the, the seeds that were sown, and the seeds were the gospel. It's very clear in that parable, that the seeds are the gospel. And what Jesus expects from from planting seeds, which he's planted into our lives, what he expects is a fruitfulness of 30, 60, 100 fold. That's his expectation. Anything that falls on good soil, there is a harvest. There is multiplication. There is increase. We need to steward and be generous with that which God has given to us. This parable that we've just read uh, from Luke is all about business. And so I believe that God also entrusts to us material things, things of value. We, if you're listening to us uh, in the West, uh, we are among the the richest people in the world. I expect if you are living in a house, if you've had an education, if you've eaten today and know that you've got food in the cupboard, uh, that you are part of the richest 10% of people in the world. Those who own a house uh, and a car, you might be the richest 5% of the world. God has blessed us with material things. And what he will look for us to do is, how did you steward that which I have given to you? What have you done with it? Have you multiplied it out? Have you been generous with it? There are material things that God has given to us. I think also that uh, he entrusts to us justice and the environment. Uh, Again, I haven't got time to go into this, um, but we know that God is a just God and, and he cares uh, for the widowed, he cares for the orphans, he cares for those that have no voice, those that are persecuted, those that suffer injustice. We know that we, even in Genesis, uh, we were told that we had to tend for the world around us. These things that God has entrusted to us, how are we stewarding these things? And then, uh, find this one, I'm sure there's many more things that we could add to this list, but find it this morning. He has entrusted to us supernatural gifting. Now, I believe that everyone who follows Jesus can be filled with the Holy Spirit. And when we're filled with the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit pours into our life the gifts of the Spirit. I'm a believer that anyone who is filled with the Spirit can speak in tongues. Anyone. If if you've received the Holy Spirit, you can speak in tongues. And there's a a gift. How do we steward that gift? I believe that any of us can heal the sick. I don't believe that... I believe there are people with ministries of healings, but I believe that every one of us, with the power of God, with the authority of God, through the Holy Spirit, can heal the sick. I believe that we can all prophesy. I I, I don't believe there's a restriction. There are prophets amongst us, but I, I believe that we can all prophesy. So these spiritual gifts that God has poured into our lives, what are we doing to steward them? How are we using these gifts? The gifts of miracles, the gifts of faith, uh, the gifts that God pours into our lives. When we see what he's doing, how can we spiritually and uh, physically steward these well? So what God has entrusted to us, how can we steward well so that we see increase and multiplication? That's the expectation. Increase, multiplication. Well, first of all, let's come back to God. 
This is uh, not about us. This is all about him. As soon as we start to think, oh, I can do this, then we're in trouble. We have a big God. And, and big doesn't do, it, do God justice. He's, he's, he's bigger than big. You know, he's infinite. He's, he's omnipotent. He's omniscient. He's, he's omnipresent. You know, he's, he's everything. God, God is, is big. Far beyond their understanding. God is sovereign. God is able. And God gives us this task of representing him. He pours out his authority into our lives. His presence into our lives. His power into our lives. So as we go, we represent him. But let's not forget, it's all about him. As soon as we start to point to ourselves and we, uh, we, we name a ministry after David Barham Healing Ministries or David Barham Preaching Ministries and, and it becomes about me rather than him, then we're in trouble. So when we talk about stewarding, we're stewarding something that has come from him. We can only steward because of him and it will only increase by his grace. Now we can work with God, but it's all about him. So what do we do? Well, if we know we've got a God who's a big God and can do all things, we can put our faith in him and we can take a step of faith. One step of faith. Why not this week just take a step of faith in one area of your life just to, to go out a little bit further than you've been before. Now, we're not going to be able from Thursday in the UK uh, to go many places, but we're still going to have to go to the supermarket. We're still going to go to fill up our cars. And, and rather than go through the self-service checkout in the supermarket, which I know I do and we do uh, for speed sometimes, why not go into a queue and speak to people? That's a step of faith. Just say, hello, how are you? How are you coping in this lockdown time? Take that little step of faith to start a conversation this week and see what God does with it. See if God will take that and multiply it into a bigger conversation. So whenever God puts you, maybe a a step of faith is to pray for healing for someone this week. Maybe a step of faith is to talk about Jesus with someone this week. Whatever it is, just take, wherever you are at the moment, just take one more step of faith into something new. Now, that might be fearful. That might take courage. Jesus said in Luke 10, I'm sending you out like sheep among wolves. That's not an invitation for most people to say, yeah, I'm going to enjoy that, Jesus. Let me go, let's go and, and see these wolves. No, it's something that is scary. It's something that is fearful. He's saying, you're going to go into places where you're uncomfortable, where it you, where needs courage, because there's opposition. So, so be aware that as we steward what God has given us, it's going to take courage. But you know, and you've heard me say this before, as Jesus sent his disciples out like sheep among wolves, they knew they had a good shepherd that would watch over them and keep them. But it may be scary. It will take a step of faith. You may need courage, but there will be fruitfulness as we go and do that. I want us to exercise regularly. Um, I'm terrible at exercise. I'm trying to run and, uh, <clears throat> and play tennis. I've played tennis twice this week. And, uh, and what happens is I go mad and, and I play tennis every day. I go running every day and my old knees uh, start to give way and I think, oh, I can't do this anymore. So I stop 
Uh, and then once you've stopped exercising for two or three weeks, it's really hard to get back in. I don't know if you find that. And so, so to take that next step, I'm going to do this. But if you keep doing little bits at a time, you grow in strength and you grow and able to do more. I, I did two and a half K this week just around the gorge where I live. And then I did it again. It's just two and a half K. Uh, I was doing 10 K. Uh, but gradually, as I keep doing my 2.5k, then 3k, then 5k, then it will grow and grow and grow if I take exercise regularly and sensibly. And what I want to do is say, whatever God has stewarded with, exercise it. Use it. Do something with it. Because as you do, you grow in strength in those areas. It might be your business. I, I, this, this whole thing, I talk about material things, and this whole parable is about business. God, Jesus talks about business here. He doesn't say business is bad. He says it's, it's good if you're using it for the right reason. Exercise faith in business. If you're an entrepreneur, if you own your own business, if you are, are, are serving in that sort of way, then, then exercise faith. Take some steps of generosity. Lord, why have you given me this business? How can I bless the kingdom? How can I multiply what I have throughout the kingdom and throughout the world? Exercise. Put it into practice. See what God does. I want us to uh, celebrate everything. I know when we start our life groups, and I hope you do the same, is we say, what has God been doing this week? How have you been connecting with people? How have you been sharing the gospel? We want to celebrate what God... Oh, I I managed to say hello to my neighbour. We celebrate that. That's a step of faith. You know, well done, that's great. You know, if we celebrate the small things, then we encourage people into bigger things. In your own life, just like, what is God doing? How, what can I celebrate that what God is doing in my life? And, and just give thanks. And as you do that, it encourages us into bigger things. And then steward the small moments. Life is about small moments. I don't know about you, but I'm Mr. Ordinary, Mr. Average, uh, and I do all the normal things. You know, do my gardening, go shopping, uh, fill up my car with petrol, uh, I, I watch the television, I watch the football. You know, I, I do all the normal things. There's nothing extraordinary about me. I'm an ordinary guy. And life is made up of all those small little things that God has given us to do. And if we steward those small moments, if we steward those well, then those small moments can grow into bigger things. One conversation at a supermarket checkout can lead to a new church being birthed. You talk to, to whoever it is at the checkout and, and you say to them, you know, uh, how are you? And they turn to you and say, I'm not very good. Well, when do you finish your shift? Do you want me to talk to you a bit more? Uh, there's a cafe here. Why don't we meet for coffee? You start to share with them. You introduce Jesus. You start a discovery Bible study. They bring their friends along. All of a sudden, there's a group of six which multiplies into a group of 12, which multiplies. And all of a sudden, you've got a group of 30 that are worshipping and meeting together from one conversation. Celebrate those small steps. Steward those small moments. Lord, I I had a conversation today. Lord, I just want you to to help me to, to know what do I do next? How do I follow that up? In Alan Scott's book, he gives us this little um, uh, picture, uh, this diagram of how we should steward these things that God has given us. You see, you don't get everything at once. It grows. 
You know, we, we want to focus on what God has already given us. We want to see it. We, Jesus says, I only do what I see the Father doing. And we need to see, God, what are you doing in my life? I want to see it. I, I, I want to, yes, look, you're doing that, you're doing that. And, and we need to understand that. And, and as we, we see that, we get the privilege of not only seeing what God has been doing, but going and working with what God is doing. Stewardship moves us from watching God work to working with God. Say, thank you, Lord, you're doing this. And, and Lord, show me now what to do next. So we need to understand what that was, Lord. We need to understand what you are doing. We need to understand it. Paul said to Timothy, reflect on these things and the Lord will give you insight. 2 Timothy 2 verse 7. Reflect upon these things. So reflect upon your day. Reflect upon those small moments. Reflect upon the conversations that you've had. And, and, and Lord, help me understand what you're doing here, God so that I can then go and carry on and steward that which you have started. And then finally, do it. Every moment carries momentum. If you've met someone once, you can pick that up and there's a momentum here. There's, there's something here that might grow. If you, you see God at work, if you understand what he's doing, then go and take the next step. Go and step out in faith and do what God has called you to do. How do we steward that which God has given us? As we do so, he will grow those things in our life. If you uh, are able to prophesy, then start to prophesy and seek the Lord. Lord, what did you do here? I want to see what you did here. I want to understand it more. And Lord, I want to grow and do more. If it's healings, Lord, I, I prayed for this person, nothing happened. Help me understand it. Help me see what you're doing here and help me to grow and do more. If it's sharing the gospel, Lord, I planted the seed here, nothing happened. Lord, I want to understand, what should I do next? Right now I'm going to go and step out in faith and do it. Take a next step. Take a next step all the time, stewarding what God has put in your life. And I believe as we do so, we're going to see miracles. We're going to see miracles around us. Everyday miracles. We're going to see people turning and believing on God because they're seeking us out. I want to know why you are like you are. There will be an open opportunity for the gospel. But there's, there's something that God has given to each one of us. No one is, if you're following Jesus, no one is excluded. For those that are listening this morning, you say, well, David, I'm not even sure that I'm filled with the Spirit. I'm not even sure if I'm following Jesus. I want to say that this morning, you can make that decision to start to follow Jesus. He died on the cross for you. His blood was shed so that your sins can be forgiven. You need to turn to him. Believe that he died and rose again. Make him your new king so you start to go his way. And Jesus restores you to relationship with God. And he will help you to follow his way. He will help you to follow his path. And of course, if you are just on that start of the journey, you've not been baptised, we want to encourage you to be baptised. We've got baptisms coming up in a couple of weeks. I'm hoping we'll still be able to do that. And so you need to be baptised and you need to be filled with the Spirit. Just where you are, just say, Lord, fill me again. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, come. And he will open up in your life gifts, blessing, peace, joy. And you can walk with him day by day, building 
uh, going from glory to glory, stewarding that which God has placed in your life. So that when Jesus returns, he will say, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. Now I give you these things. That's what the Bible teaches. This is what Jesus is saying. I pray that the Holy Spirit will confirm these things in your heart and that each one of us this week will see what God is doing. We'll understand that God is at work and we will take that next step to multiply that which he has entrusted to us. Let us pray. Thank you, Lord, that you use ordinary people, everyday, average people, but Lord, through your Holy Spirit, you make us extraordinary. We carry the very presence of God wherever we go. Thank you that you have deposited with each, in each one of us your gifts, your Holy Spirit, your Gospel, your provisions. Lord, I pray that we will steward well that which you have entrusted to us. That we will see multiplication. We will see increase. We will see kingdom advance. And Lord, that when we come and we stand at your throne, you will say, well done, good and faithful servant. Thank you, Lord. All the glory is yours, Lord. We do nothing for praise of man. We do nothing for our own sex. We do it for your glory. It's only by your grace. We can't work harder. We can't work cleverer. Lord, we need your anointing. We need you. Help us abide in you. Help us live for you. Help us to be filled by you so that we may go and represent you wherever you send us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.